Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. This is a conversation with Olivia Kwok, the founder of Willstone Management. It took place in a rather noisy restaurant just after the New York sales cycle. Olivia Kwok, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Pleasure. Um, you've just finished uh, attending the New York sales, and I wanted to get your sense of what took place and uh, what you were looking for. Well, we, um, we have sold some of our paintings, both on behalf of the clients and also uh, on um, our company. We did quite okay. Um, we could be happier, but we did quite okay. And uh, we have done, because um, I don't know if you know my business info structure, since Earlier this year, we launched a um, art guarantee club, which we started in art guarantees, uh, predominantly focused on guarantees, actually. And so we have some guarantees out this week, too. And um, yeah, that, did, uh, that did quite well. That would, we're, we're quite happy. So, so you're providing third-party guarantees to the auction houses, and it's a club because you've got a group of people um, behind yes, the investment? Well, the one thing I would say to people, art is unregulated. It's one of the last remaining uh, interesting asset classes that's still unregulated in such a way. Um, to have an art fund, there would be too much restriction on the actual infrastructure itself. You know, you will have the auditors and, and, and the writers, and most people will not quite understand how the art things work, because I tried. I tried to set up a SIF in the... Luxembourg and whatever, and trying to talk to the, the, the fund administrators, they just cannot understand, like, how can one thing be this price and later on be something differently, and how can a private, it, 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 it would just, you will spend your lifetime to explain to them why and how, and they still couldn't get it. So the best way, I think, is to grab few people, few investors, which I do have, and we call it a club. So we have committed capital from each of them, um, such as, um, like, a credit line. So then I, I, uh, I, I have a half discretion on what we will guarantee because I will talk to them first and we have lay out the scenarios of you know, the, the risk reward and what the possibility would be. And obviously I would say the price we're guarantee at is basically the price we're okay or should we say um, will be satisfied to own at because when you do guarantee there's always a risk that you ended up with it. So I think that's the, so I think where, where the price lay is, is what is, make sense to you to own at the time. Um, there's always an always, uh, always argument, you know, what is the best deal, what is the better deal. I think it's never the best deal. It's always what it suits you at the time. And what suits you might not suit others. And are your investors primarily interested in a return, uh, or is there an art element to it that they're looking for access to art at, uh, on these kinds of guarantees? I think it's um, both. In the sense that um, if you ended up with the guarantee, then that means you have an art, artwork that is a hard asset. I think because of the volatilities right now in the equity markets and people are freaking out in oil prices and um, lots of people quite pessimistic on the stock markets and everything else, uh, what I find is that lots of people actually are into very strong hard assets, such as properties or you can see the collectibles such as cars or diamonds and everything else is starting to have a quite a healthy returns. And the art, obviously, being one of the, um, it's, it's been financialized to be a, a proper asset class. I think people have been talking about it since 2007, 2006. And now I think it's, uh, the, the infrastructure is much more solid, it's more sophisticated, and, and there's more people involved in. 
Now, did, uh, were any of the works that you guaranteed bought in, or did you uh, buy them as the guarantor? Yes, because to our investors, liquidity is not a problem. And uh, if we, I mean, this is traditionally how, how people say in the app, what if just straight after the auction is um, how to make the sale to make a profit, so people will offer a discounted price. And I always see the things we're guaranteed at is to a certain level, let's say $2 million plus. And those things are always have a strong scarcity values to the, you know, it's, it's hard to find. It's not something that you can just find out on the street. And I think because of more and more emerging market people looking to buy things, so those things, I think appreciation on equity is going to go steadily high. And that's proven by several banks. Certain artwork above certain level will actually go, I think a steady return was what, 6.8% or something in average. And if you look at that, it's better than uh, lots of government bonds or anything. So if we do end it up with the guarantee, then um, you know we're okay. We can just sell it in uh, 12 to 18 months. I'll yeah. give you an example. Please. The Kooning sold yesterday uh, in Philips. It was guaranteed at the time uh, for a price, but um, they didn't have the bidder, so it sold less than a guarantee price. Um, I think it sold for 3.4, but I can tell you the owner paid more. Okay, and that was a year and a half ago, two years ago. And yesterday, the painting is up again in the auction. Um, I think it sold for 4.8 or 4.9. And if you think about it, the gap is two less than two years. And on the auction record, it only sold for 3.4. So the return is above 6%, so 60%. So if you didn't know all the inside story, you think it sold for 3.4, but you're still happy to pay 4.8. Why? Because you can't find another one at that size, at that period, for anything less. But if you're the guarantor on the this go-round, and it doesn't sell, or, or, or you decide to hold on to it, how long, you said 12 to 18 months, it, then you go back to auction, or would you sell privately? Or, uh, well, first of all, there's so many art fairs, so many auctions. Um, secondly, I think most of my clients are very temperamental. So sometimes, um, you know, it happened to me before, so we ended up with one of the guarantees, and he says, well, let me just hang in my house. And the initial idea is to sell afterwards. But then his wife decided to really like it, so he said, no, I don't want to sell it anymore. So that happens, too. And I think um, that's kind of the beauty of it in, in the art world, or in what I do, is the flexibility. So, so are you apportioning uh, part of the pool or the club to specific works, or are you just uh, readjust so that the other members are, if, if someone wants to take possession of a painting, the other members are no longer owners of that, that work? It has happened that I'm part of the club. Yep. So I have uh, 10, 20, 30% of equity hold, or it happened I'm complete the intro broker, um, or sometimes it happens 50-50%, and sometimes we signed a, a preferred contract in the sense of the guarantee, but after the guarantee then it was sometimes full discretion to me, sometimes full discretion to clients, sometimes it's half-half. It happens, um, how can I say, I'm very flexible to that, to what people, uh, it's, it's more like a tailor-made service, isn't it? I think that's, that's, that's attractive, rather than this is a rule, you have to follow that way, and if you don't, it doesn't work. No. Well, there, and there are a lot of people who have been doing this privately, somewhat informally, these handshake deals, uh, either guaranteeing or buying works and, yeah. uh, and then reselling yeah. them. So what you're doing is just a, a slightly more formal version of yeah. that, of bringing people yeah. in partnership. When I, when I well, it's, like a, it's like the Uber app. If anything, it takes um, uh, explanation to a seven-year-old, then it's, that formula probably is not going to work. It's just, you know, the world has changed too fast.
So there's our guarantee thing. It happens in, in the horses business. It happens in the uh, in the financial business. You know, people doing IPOs. It happens in many many other um, financial instruments in that way. So it's very easy to understand. Well, can can we talk about what kinds of works you're interested in and how you um, find the guarantees? Because uh, I think there's been a lot of mystery uh, uh, around that. I'm I'm assuming you ha have gone to the auction houses and said you'd be interested in guaranteeing wor works, and then they come to you with, with works, or do you try and identify I mean, works for them? As I said. Um, most of my clients, no, I would say 100% of my clients are not a, a very active art involvers in the sense they don't really come to the auctions and I was trying to drag them to, to Miami and sometimes they will come probably just for the party itself. Um, most people are in the sort of a family business. I dealt a lot with the uh, single family offices, a lot of Eastern, Eastern European and more and more increasingly uh, Chinese. Lots of Chinese, like we, we've been doing a lot of buying privately for some Chinese uh, institutions. Like they all have, you know, it's like America in the 90s, they starting to have their museum, they starting to have their the foundations, and they like to buy things. They want to hit once or twice in the auction, they want everybody to know who they are, but then they want to buy some other things privately because you know you can't pay always the biggest price in the auction, you have to sort of balance it out. No, so, the, so, so we're doing, doing lots of that. And I lived in Miami for a while. Um, so I have lots of South American collectors, and uh, you know, for the same reason, they're they're quite uh, discretionary. They don't like to be seen as much. So we've done a lot of private deals with them. Um, so what happens in guarantee with the auction houses? I guess, as the art person in this situation, I am the one to tell the auction house that which one I would like to guarantee. So I will give them the name which I'm looking for. And do you come up with you come up with those names sort of after each cycle? So I'm assuming in a week or two you might have a look at what sold in the last um, week here in New York and and say this is what I'm looking for next, or do you wait closer to the sales? There's a there's a mess to that because um, we always say as long as the music's still on, everybody's dancing, but you have to make sure you're not the last one left without the seat. So in the sense. I think when you see the highest price been achieved in the auction, that might not necessarily be the one that you should look for for the next guarantees. I think it's quite the opposite. You have to see what's the potentials. And uh, I think art market, despite whatever people say, it is very, very cool and it's quite speculated. And um, in the way it's almost predictable what would happen to a certain artist. Yep. Um, you have to have a very good knowledge. I think geographically I had quite a good advantage because, you know, I'm Chinese, so um, I speak the language, so, uh, you know. Quite literally. Yeah, so it's quite, uh, you know, it's, it's easier for them to deal with me and, and you have this trusting, you know, because we look the same. And then I grew up in England uh, since I was very young. I think the mentality, I'm, I could be quite European, and also I had a quite uh, a lucky way of how I got into the art business. Uh, so I know a lot of people, and I think also, I, I, I lived in Miami, so the uh, the whole idea of, of this American go-getting idea is I kind of, I can do a combination with it all. And how the guarantee works with the clients, I will say mostly based on what I tell them, and uh, I have been proven in the last uh, few years since. So I first had a gallery in London uh, for emerging market because we, at, at that time I was actually a buyer for a Swiss art fund for emerging market. 
I predominantly did Chinese, partly because I'm Chinese, and so I, I enjoy travel there more than to India or anything like that. And also because uh, Chinese at that time, with the art, it just has a bigger substance. You know, it's it, more people the, buying it. And, 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 and uh, Chinese as a people, they're generally more appreciating their own cultures, they, they're more interested in cultures and politics and whatever, let's say, than Indian or Brazilians, you know, like the overall market. So we did really, really well in that. And after everything closed down, we rebranded the gallery to sort of uh, international. And at that time, it was already very trend-following. So in 2009, we were really, really strong in pop. And then uh, later on in uh, 10, I did uh, like a German abstract. And you know, that time, the Richters and Parker and stuff. And then in 11, I was looking at American minimalists like Agnes Martin and Wu at that time. So it was always a little bit faster than someone else. And I think that's been proven many years. There's no quite an explanation why. I guess it has to have a, a good nose, as they call it. It has a good sense, which I think I do. Um, therefore, before the garden, before the auction, let's say now the season's finished, right? Yep. So now we're looking in February. Now, I will look in a few things in the consideration. First of all, how the financial market will hold. Um, luckily, um, I have uh, a lot of friends who are in the quite high levels of uh, either investment banks or sort of mutual funds and everything else. I can always get the information quite, uh, I, I like to talk to them. I like to talk actually non-art people. I find that very um, uh, literally an, an objective. Yep. So I talk to them all the time. And um, um, I was at the Harvard Club, I, the Christie Sales, and I talked to, to I was the, the, the politics round tables, and I was listening to people talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, the political directions in America and, and obviously the, the elections. Uh, next year in London. I think all of this you've got to take in the sector. That's one. Uh, secondly, uh, emerging market, how emerging market does. Uh, that I look into that very, very uh, closely too, like with the stock market and look at all the listings and look at the buyers with the listings. And that's the second thing. And uh, the third thing is, yes, looking at the current trend, looking at the galleries, which big galleries promoting whom and um, who has a rich perspective and who has museum shows and which big secondary dealers is uh, sort of buying a certain stock, and, and I think that will give a, a indication of a, of a trend. And trend happens, in my opinion, in the art world, but any 12 to 15 months, there's a trend. You've got to catch at this, in my case, where it was catch on the, in the middle. Yeah. So I would say we're getting the three or four and get out the seven or eight. Um, not to be too greedy is important, I think. Uh, and also, um, returns to guarantee right now because a lot of my because the whole you know as I said we did it from the beginning of this year so um, to a lot of my clients this is one of the very first experience so on the guarantee levels we have done slightly on the lower end uh, like not above five million dollars at this point yet uh, but we would definitely want to uh, explore to do a bigger one with the double digits because I think that's proven those numbers are actually the uh, most uh, solid less volatile uh, well, because the, well, to achieve that n number, you need something that uh, someone has already validated before. Yeah, you need you need to sort of they have to have done one or two process, and, and yes, yes, and I think uh, we are looking to do that next year. And that's what you were saying earlier. It's easier to guarantee something that's somewhat expensive; it'll hold its value than so something that's very cheap and might go, you know, ten times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at all those young artists and stuff, you know, like um, let's say the, the Phillips, uh, you know, auction. It was like a Lucian Smith or, or the Oscar Morello and the sort of things. I mean, last year this time there were 
pot of the skies. We got 20, 30, 40 bidders on something. It up for $600,000. And yesterday, they couldn't, I mean, they came back for like 200. Why? Because that was the wave of the trend, you know. And, and, and I think, uh, in my opinion, would I, would I buy that sort of thing? No. No, when, when you look at what, what numbers are visible in this last auction cycle, uh, the big run-ups were in Roy Lichtenstein and in Christopher Wolf. You know, uh, uh, not exactly new names by any means. If you look at the last, uh, I think you're right, because people, I was saying earlier that people are more confident in the hard asset, so things are here to stay and here to remain. I think that's uh, one of the major things. And also, I do think people are getting more selective and more sophisticated. Um, so they, when things are just kind of OK and adequate, it doesn't really attract that many people. But when things are uh, sort of super qualities and super fresh, and I think uh, people are happy to pay premiums. And you're, but you're not, um, you're not then uh, trying to guarantee works that you'll later acquire. You're not pri providing a third-party guarantee that you might also be a bidder on. Uh, and, and take a, a little bit of a discount, say, uh, in actually uh, landing the work. You're looking to um, provide the guarantee, get paid for that, and if you have to, then take the, the, the work and hold it for a, a period of time. Uh, are, are you also looking for works to just buy and hold? Yes, we, we've done some private buying this week. Um, again, um, I was saying that I feel so I have some Chinese client right now, uh, big institution clients, and we've been buying uh, some impressions. And again, there's an argument, people say, what does she know about impressions? And the good thing is I never pretended to know. Yeah. Uh, I go to the right people, I go to the good dealers, I talk to them, um, quite frankly, and, and uh, I guess transparently, and tell them what I'm looking for. And, uh, and I do the price adjustment. These days it's not hard to understand certain values. And uh, we've done a few transactions. I mean, it's kind of out of my bracket, but if that's what the client is looking for. And those are different because I basically have the mandate on exactly what artists they're looking for and how much they're willing to pay. So I'm basically just uh, as an agent sourcing the work. It was, I was not an uh, investment in any case, so I guess I did a lot of that this time in New York. But there's some guarantees. Uh, contemporary, I tried to buy something uh, in the auctions couldn't actually buy it because uh, it went higher than what I would like to pay as a dealer. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I'm actually today, later on today, I will have a few meetings and then see how it goes with uh, some private. I like to buy things privately. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would, would agree in some way if, if you're in the uh, a dealer uh, sector because at the end of the day, now with all the transparency on the internet, you can always see how much things have been sold for, when it's been sold for. And uh, it makes the margin level a little bit more difficult, and people uh, get a bit more sensitive on knowing someone else is making a huge profit on it. No, and there's a, there's a large international ecosystem now of people trading works, uh, everyone feeling that maybe they're getting the better end of the deal. And as you said, there's a certain musical chairs that you hope that the uh, music keeps going and uh, you'll find the right buyer uh, that you'll get your uh, return on it. Um, I was curious to talk about the Chinese clients for a minute. I, you had had a, a, an issue with Sotheby's uh, earlier this year, and I noticed that you were fairly um, particular about making it clear that the, the client who um, backed out was a European living in Hong Kong. Yeah. 
Um, is that because of this, you know, uh, maybe too pervasive impression that Chinese clients are too uh, willing to uh, uh, bid and then not pay for a work or change their mind after they've um, bid on a work? Uh, no. Actually, that was just uh, that was the, the, the simple truth of it. It was a person I met in London uh, through a mutual friend. And a mutual friend of mine is, uh, he's uh, like one of the main guys for Formula One. And so that's how they met. And the client has all the credential to my friend. And my friend was just plainly sort of being helpful, saying, oh, you should meet this guy because he's really interested in, art, in hard asset because he's buying licensing for the Formula One. I think it's great. Or that. So uh, I met and we talked and uh, we made a plan and uh, and uh, later on there was issues on the payments on his side. It's a certain payment method I, I do not want to enter. Yeah. Um, so I spoke to Sadabi. I mean, Sadabi, to be fair, they they have acted aggressively, but I also understood they were under pressure because I think the consigner of the, the painting knew we were the bidder of the painting and they still, or there was certainly something against Sadabi, so Sadabi kind of have no other option. Well, that's, that's why I brought up the Chinese element to it, because it certainly seems as if people are overly sensitive to Chinese buyers uh, at this point, or maybe in this particular part of the market uh, uh, they are. And, and I know, you know, there's always these no, things I that happen. Maybe more in the past, I'm sure you, you, you're sort of referring this kind of uh, elements because, let's say, the, what was it, the, the, the head in the Yves Saint Laurent? Yeah. And then there was uh, the big bar sold in England and stuff. Yep. I think those all kind of, um, uh, there's some conspiracy to all of that. And there's a reason for a while of that. But I think in contemporary world, at least in my experience right now with the pure Chinese, I must say they've been behaving very well. I have one client, he actually just leave the money in my account before I find the painting, while I'm finding for the painting. And uh, I actually, uh, I made a joke the other day. I said, this is pretty good because, uh, you know, the, the dollar's being more appreciated against pounds, so that's great. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, they, they've been behaving quite uh, professionally, I would say, in my experience with the Chinese. I mean, but then my, my Chinese guys these days, I mean, I, you learn from your mistakes, no? So these days, I'm only dealing with, uh, shall we say, the proper people. So they all either have a listed companies in Hong Kong or listed companies in NASDAQ. I mean, some of the dot-com guys, as you can understand. So those people have done enough due diligence, and, and those things will not repeat. History will not repeat it, so I'll put it that way. <laughs> what kind of collections are these buyers looking to, to build? Uh, you know, is it that they want, you know, here in the West, we often talk about that contemporary art is driven by people who made their money and want to buy art from the period when they made the, the, their money as opposed to, you know, some long historical um, inquiry. Uh, and the uh, emerging markets co uh, uh, collectors have uh, even broader, uh, you know, spectrum to, to draw from because they can buy contemporary Chinese uh, uh, painting, they can buy contemporary Western art, they can buy recent Western art that seems to have an effect on both uh, and be all, all of a piece. I'm just curious what you mentioned impressionist works. Uh, is there a sort of wanting to get big names or a, a story that they want to tell or just that adventure of one thing leads you to the next and you know before you know you have a collection? Um, again, each of them are different. Um, let me give you an example. So one of my clients is building a museum. So he has a system of what he would like to collect. And there's a certain names, I said one of the most important one was the money and then who 
he's influenced the most, and it comes down, and then I go, and then uh, I sort of all go down all the way to the sort of 1940, 1950s. But it's all French school. So even if you're trying to explain to him that this is a fantastic German experiment, no, that's not part of his uh, collecting line, as we call it. He's just going one direction. And there's uh, another Chinese person. Um, he has a listed company in the, in the Nasdaq. So he's more Americanized. You know, he lives in LA, and but most of the time in Shanghai and Singapore and stuff. So he likes contemporary in his mind. It speaks to him um, in a way that I sold him a Wade Guyton. And he's quite an avant-garde buyer a few, few years ago to buy Wade Guyton. It's quite an amazing thing because he can understand the, because he's in the digital world. Right, and he's in a gaming right. company. And then he can feel that, um, you know, there's sort of a whole, the idea, the method of, you know, the, the projectors and the printers out of, out of the camera. He, he can relate to that. He think that's, he, he actually used the exact, well, he said, that's really him. He said, that's really uh, advanced. So he liked that. And then that's, um, that's another client. It's, uh, it's more kind of, I think that's one of my, uh, uh, the most open-minded one. And then there's another guy. He's, um, he's a property developer in, in Asia. And uh, he's buying all the big names. I would say sort of the trophy, easy identifiable works, big canvases, big colors, a little bit like a South American or the Japanese in the 80s. So I think, yeah, they were kind of different, I think, independently. They all have their own characters because they made their money differently, they made their money in different ages. Uh, that, that sounds like most of the real estate developers. Uh, it, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about being right. a real estate developer. <laughs> yeah, you just have, have, have big spaces to yeah, fill. Have to have a big canvases, you know. I remember he told me he wanted an indoor sculpture. I said, you know, what would you like? He says, I need a big one. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first word he said. I said. And then he told me the color, and he told me it needs to be big. So kind of the artist, I think it didn't really matter then. So in that sense, I sort of told him, like, uh, you can have a Kapoor big one, you can have an Indiana, or uh, you could have a Coons. I mean, what do you want? So now we're in the discussion of he trying to understand what he wants, or what image he's trying to give. So before we finish, I do want to look forward to February because, you know, there's been a, a global slowdown. Emerging markets are, um, they're not dire, but they certainly aren't um, energetic. Uh, there's uh, a sense that, uh, you know, especially in this group of sales, a lot of the uh, tried and true names have done okay, but they haven't advanced. So if you were, if you were uh, guaranteeing Richter's, you might have made some money, but you, you certainly can't uh, guarantee them on the expectations that advanced uh, uh, estimates are going to keep going up and sales are going to keep go going up. Do you have a sort of group of artists that you're thinking of for February? Are you more cautious about February because of the climate? Um, I'm actually quite ambitious about February. Um, I mean, I, I have a presentation after. I can show it to you later on. So the way how we present to our clients is quite different than a normal art person. We have a full uh, analytical memorandum to the client uh, on the explanation of how art relates to our equities, to oil, to hedge fund, and uh, the volatility rates. And uh, the, the return on equity in art is very high, and all sort of all the figures and stuff. And traditionally speaking, February, um, for us, actually has always been a kind of a pickup time. Because I think that just after Christmas, and uh, you know, you have, a, you have the auctions now, and you have the Art Basel, and afterwards, sort of everything is quiet down. It's a family time, holidays. And in February, um, this February, I think in, in London, it's going to be quite interesting, because you can see that from the property markets, everything's slowing down because um, there is a concern of if labor takes 
the, the lead and things will change and stuff. So I think this February will, it's going to be interesting. But uh, in the art market, I guess, I guess you have to understand who your um, target audience are. So in our cases, just because of all the uh, political uncertainties and because of all the, um, uh, you know, the, the volatilities in the financial market, in the way I actually find it easier to pitch investor for guarantee because you think, what's the worst scenario? Worst scenario is ended up with a hard asset that's selling in the auction in the volatility time for two, three, four, five million dollars. It's not a bad thing because it's proven our depreciation per year and how hard it's to find. So in the way, they kind of, they, they're actually a little more relaxed than, uh, than, uh, than that because I, I, I was talking to one of my US-based investors. He says, but he says, but why? And you know, people keep asking questions and stuff. I said, what is your alternative? What, what else alternative? I mean, obviously, there's an argument are you can't do size. You know, some mutual fund, like my friend yep. is in charge of private equity, they just bought a company for $1.1 billion or whatever. I mean, ah, you can't kind of do that. So it has to be sort of you have to have a playful mind and have to just part of the portion of the wealth and uh, as activity. I would say to him, be a playful mind in the player position. Mm -hmm. I think that's, the, that's, a, that's a very... And, and which artists or types of artists uh, are you looking to play in for February? Uh, American and German. Uh, again, I think America is a, it's a, it's a solid demand, um, but maybe not so much in abstract. Because I'm talking about waves and uh, trends. Maybe we're looking for things a bit more pop. But not, uh, not so recent. Things that are, you know, in the last. No, we're trying to say things uh, before the 80s. Well, I guess we will keep our eye out in February. Yeah, I think uh, we'll see. Thank you so much for doing this, Olivia. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Artelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 